Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is John. Uh, if it's your first time here, I'm the lead pastor. Really appreciate you joining us. I know we got a lot of guests in the room. This is exciting. Uh, we are in the midst of this series that we are calling Let's Do This. So all month long, what we're doing is we're talking about this guy named Nehemiah, uh, an Old Testament figure. He's just, honestly, he's just an ordinary guy who set out to change the world, and he did it in 52 days. And our goal is to use his story to help us write a new story of our own. Last week, a lot of you weren't here, but those of you who are here, you remember we talked about embracing the burden that God has put on your heart. For Nehemiah, that burden was Jerusalem. The walls had been torn down, uh, it was in shambles, and it broke his heart, and he thought, you know, somebody's gotta do something about this, and it might as well be me. And what we're going to see today and over the next two weeks is we're going to see Nehemiah become, honestly, one of the greatest leaders in all of Scripture. And using that part of his story, I want to equip and empower you to do the same, to act on your burden and to become the leader that God is calling you to be in your cause, whatever that might look like. But first, I just got to ask, because it's important to ask, do you, do you honestly believe that you can be a leader? Now, some people are natural born leaders. They're just good at it. You know, the rest of us, if we're being honest, we don't really see ourselves as, as being leaders. And it's not that we see ourselves as being followers. I'm not saying that, but I am saying we just don't see ourselves as leaders. Maybe we think, you know, we're not equipped for the role. We kind of doubt our abilities. Whatever the case may be, we just, we don't see ourselves as kind of taking on that leadership role. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. You might not know this, but when it comes to being a great leader, you don't have to be the best. You just have to care the most. In order to make a huge difference in your world and in your community and in your family, you do not have to be the best. You don't have to be the one that people look at and go, oh, wow, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's somebody that God's going to use. That, let me look at this person. Like, for example, when you think about Braveheart, right? William Wallace, that's a leader, right? I mean, muscular, chiseled jaw, great accent, the kilt, the whole nine. I'm following that guy. Let's do it. Let's not forget about the leading ladies, right? Now, I might be alone on this one. I know my wife disagrees with me, but I mean, what about Claire Underwood from House of Cards? <laughs> Lady scares me. But I mean, that hair, that perfectly tailored suit, I'm going to charge hell for this woman. Forget about the fact that she's ruthless. It's a different story. We're not all Claire Underwoods, we're not all William Wallace's, but honestly, that's a good thing. Because last week, we talked about how God specializes in using ordinary people. You can be an ordinary cupbearer, like Nehemiah, a wine taster, who just happens to care more than anyone else, and God can turn you into a, a, a world-changing leader. So what I want to do today is I want to show you three, let's call it, leadership principles that Nehemiah is going to use today. And I firmly believe that with God's help, you can use them as well to accomplish anything that God has put on your heart to do. So the first thing that we're gonna see is we're gonna see that a leader defines the mission clearly. I wanna pick up where we left off last week. If you remember, Nehemiah finally finds himself before the king and it's his chance to act. And, and he says, I was terrified, right? But I replied. Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asks, 
Uh, well, how can I help you? Now it's go time. This is, this is what Nehemiah has been praying for, for God to open this door. They can ask for help, right? It says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. Let me stop here. If prayer is not necessary for you to fulfill your mission, then you're not thinking big enough. And if you can do it on your own, I'm just telling you, you're not thinking big enough. All throughout the story of Nehemiah, he's constantly praying. Everything he does, he's just covering it in prayer because he knows what a massive undertaking this is. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried. Now, I want you to watch what comes next. And I want you to see how in one sentence, in one statement, Nehemiah is going to clearly define his mission and his burden to the king. He says, I want you to send me down to Jerusalem so that I can rebuild it. Very simple, very precise. Now think about this. It's a thousand things that need to be done in Jerusalem. He could have said, I got to go help the economy. I got to go down there and, and, you know, rid it of corrupt politicians. I got to show them how to harvest grapes. You know, he's the wine guy. All of those things needed to be done. But Nehemiah narrows his vision and he defines the vision into one crisp, clean statement. I am going to rebuild the wall. Chances are, after last week's message, Many of you have been kind of thinking about your burden. What is, what, you know, you're contemplating, okay, what is it that breaks my heart? That's the phrase we used last week. What is God calling me to do in the world and and in my world? What I want to help you do today is I want to help you narrow down your burden into a very clean, crisp, clear statement. I want to help you take it from what is God calling me to do down to something very simple very specific, and turn it into something that you can actually execute. For example, maybe you felt God calling you to get out of debt. I've talked to a lot of folks about this. One woman grabbed me after service last week. She goes, this is, I mean, honestly, God put this on my heart while you were talking. And she and I talked about how, how Jesus says that when you have debt, you're a slave to your debt. Debt calls the shots. Debt tells you what you can and can't do. I mean, even if you wanted to be generous, you can. So to say that you want to get rid of your debt is amazing. I mean, that's great, but it's broad. And when something is broad, you, you can't get your arms around it. It's kind of hard. So if this is you, my challenge would be to pray about this vision. Ask God to, to narrow the scope, to narrow it down even more. And perhaps after prayer, you might say, you know what? I actually want to be debt-free by Christmas 2024. Like, other than my mortgage, I want to be debt-free. That is a very crisp mission. That is something a 12-year-old can get behind. We're going to be out of debt in 12 months. That's motivating. That's clear. That is well-defined. See, the truth is, if you can't define it, you can't do it. You know what it's like? It's like saying, I want to lose weight. Great, how much? I mean, the goal of losing weight is not very motivating. It's so ambiguous. It's, you know, there's no concrete goal. You don't really know what you're shooting for. You don't know when you've succeeded. Last week, we talked about having a burden for the homeless. Maybe that touched your heart. Maybe you would say, you know what? I want to help the homeless. Great. I love that. Which ones? 
It's a question I asked one of my best friends recently. He, British guy, lives up in New York City, and he felt a burden for the homeless. So much so, and I love this, so much so, he actually started a foundation. Problem was, he didn't have much of a vision. He came up with a great name, People Without Places. I love that. And he works at a social media company that links people together. And so his plan was to inspire his clients, the, the companies that use this platform, to use their year-end giving to help the homeless. It's actually a brilliant idea. The problem was he wasn't having a lot of success. He found that he was getting lost in the shuffle. And, and so I said to him, you know, your heart's in the right place, but your vision isn't clear enough because within homelessness, there, there are many different categories. You have chronic homeless. You have episodic homeless, meaning something has happened to them, an episode, and now they're homeless. You've got veterans. You've got folks dealing with mental health issues. You've got folks struggling with drug addiction. It's a diverse group, so which group do you want to help? He hadn't thought of that. And so we sat on the couch together, and we thought about that, and we drilled down, and we distilled it down and refined the vision until we realized we could help single mothers facing homelessness. That is crisp. That is clear. All of a sudden, we got something here that can generate passion and enthusiasm from like-minded people because it's narrow. Define your vision clearly because if you don't define it, you cannot do it. Now, maybe your problem is you have numerous burdens. Last week, a woman told me that she came to Downtown Harbor Church by accident. It was no accident. After the service, she came up to me in tears. She told me that the Lord has just placed numerous burdens on her heart. She goes, I'm just, um, she goes, I'm sure you've heard it all, so I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm involved in a lot of things I shouldn't be involved in. There are things that I know I shouldn't do, and then I do them, and afterwards, I'm not in a good place. Which, what should I do? Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're here today, and there's just so much you want to work on. There's so many burdens that are on your heart. Here's what I told her. I said, listen, if you try to do it all, you won't do any of it. You're going to get so overwhelmed. You're going to get so burned out that you're going to give up. So here's what I told her, and I would tell you the exact same thing. Start with one. What's the one thing that really is getting the best of you? Bring that to God, and then pray as if everything depended on God, and then act as if everything depended on you. And I'm telling you, you will start to see success in that area and you will be motivated to begin working on other areas in your life. God's movement in this area will give you the momentum you need to begin tackling other areas of your life, but you gotta narrow it down if you want success. The king asked, what is it you want? Nehemiah said, I want to rebuild the wall. Second thing we learn from Nehemiah is that a leader makes plans carefully. We got the what. Right? We're going to rebuild the wall. Now let's talk about the how. How are we going to bring this about? I'm reminded of a famous saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Okay? So I want to show you how Nehemiah has charted out a very specific plan to rebuild these walls. In verse 6, he says this, It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. King is like, okay, I'm bought in. I can get behind this vision. How long is this going to take? How long are you going to be gone for? And Nehemiah has already thought this through. We know that he spent four months in prayer 
but he's also spent that time working at a spirit-led plan. So here's how long it's going to take. I set a time. I also said to him, now we're going to see Nehemiah make two very specific asks of the king. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, would you tell those leaders to protect me as I go? Because I'm on official business. Then he asks, and please, give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forests, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. This is great. The fact that Nehemiah knew the name of Asaph shows that he's done his homework. He couldn't just Google this. He had to put the work in to find this out. So it is clear Nehemiah has done some very strategic work behind the scenes. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about plans. Because for some strange reason, and I don't know why, there are a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, who believe that planning is not very spiritual. In the church world, for example, the world that I work in, there are many pastors who believe that you shouldn't plan out your sermons, okay? Instead, they believe that you should get on stage and let the Spirit lead. Now, that sounds holy, right? Mm, we're going to let the Spirit lead. He, here's the thing. I've witnessed some of those supposed Spirit-led messages. Maybe you have too. They're all over the place. Pastor goes down all kinds of rabbit trails. He's mentioned 25 different Bible stories, 23 of which, you know, you've never even heard of before in your life. 18 different verses, and when the time it's all done, you have no idea what that guy has said. But hey, it was spirit-led, okay? Was it? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just not sure God wants us to work that way. I can just tell you this. I spend days and days working on these sermons. There are times when I agonize and pray over like one sentence. Like when I make these slides, I make these slides, I spent an inordinate amount of time just working on you know, spacing and layout so that it makes the biggest impact it can on you all because it's important. And I'm just telling you, planning is important because God is in the plans. God is in the details. God works as much in your prayer and in your preparation as he will in your presentation, shall we say. So what does this look like in your situation? Maybe God has put a burden on your heart to do something and you feel this burden and you acknowledge this burden and you embrace this burden, but you're like, I just, I don't know where to start. I got the what, I don't have the how. I wanna help with homelessness. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna foster children. I wanna help at my kid's school, but how? See, for as much passion as we may have for this burden, we tend to freeze up because it's just so big. It's overwhelming, and we don't know what to do. Here's what to do when you don't know what to do. And this is very simple. This is a game changer. All you have to do is define the very next step. That's it. Don't worry about the big picture. Don't worry about how it's all going to come together. That's only going to trip you up. All you have to do is simply define the very next step. For example, maybe the next step for you is to find out who else is doing what you want to do. Get on the computer. 
Ask around. Is there anybody else in this country, in this state, in this town, in your neighborhood that is currently doing what you want to do? That is the next step. That is very doable. And then what's the next step? Buckle up. You ready? Call that person. <laughs> Email that person. This is not rocket science. This is preparation. And God works in the preparation. And when you go to speak to that person, come prepared. Like Nehemiah, he came prepared. He had done the research. He had questions ready to go. Last week, we talked about homelessness. Immediately following the service, one person was just so inspired by it. He basically ran to Paul up and asked him how to start. What do I do? Who do I need to talk to? How have you managed this? Guide me in this. This might seem elementary, but the truth is you don't change the world all at once. You change it one faithful step at a time. And every step of the way, you consult God. Every step of the way, you bring God into it. You ask him to lead your steps and to guide you. Psalm 119 says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God is not going to give you the entire plan but he promises to give you the very next step. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. He takes that step. He travels a thousand miles down to Jerusalem. And when he arrived there, he says, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. What's going on here? So essentially, Nehemiah is on a covert reconnaissance mission to assess the damage. While traveling this thousand miles, he learns that the enemy has found out he's coming. And so he doesn't want them to know what he's doing there. And so he goes out at night, and he looks at the broken walls, and he looks at the broken gate. And once he's assessed all the damage, once he knows everything that needs to be rebuilt, then he shows us the very last thing a great leader does, and that is this. A leader must inspire people passionately. Nehemiah knows you can make a difference by yourself. You can. But if you really want to make an impact in this world, you need other people to buy into the vision that God has put on your heart. And so that's exactly what he does next. He gathers a group of folks together and says, I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. You see it. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. He's like, guys, this is bad. This is not okay. God has blessed our people with this city, and he would not be honored by the state that it's in. Somebody's got to do something. It might as well be us. He continues. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, and about my conversation with the king. Now watch how the crowd reacts. They replied at once, yes. Let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. I love that. If you define the mission clearly, if you make plans carefully, if you allow that burden to grow deep within your heart, I'm just telling you, you can inspire all kinds of people to join your cause. Now, chances are you might hear me say this and you go, John, uh, I'm just, I'm not a naturally inspirational leader. And Nehemiah was. The guy's a cupbearer wasn't the best. He just cared the most. And when he stood in front of those people, they realized this guy traveled a thousand miles to help us. 
This guy cares. Now, I don't know everything he said, but I have a feeling when he said it, you could just feel the passion. I love what John Wesley, who is the um, founder of the Methodist Church, said. He said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Nehemiah's like, like, God is with us. His hand is in this now. I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to face opposition. The enemy is going to try to stop us. And next week, if you're here, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what happens when the enemy tries to discourage you. But he says, we're not going to let them get us down. We're going to work around the clock if we have to. But we're going to get this done. And for the first time in 150 years, these people had hope. God had raised up a simple cupbearer to become this phenomenal leader. And I'm here to tell you, God can do the same thing in your life as well. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at this church, every single week, we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So today is all about action. Okay? It is not so much that we just embrace the burden that God has placed on our heart, but we also need to live it out. Okay? So this week, my challenge to you is this. Commit to a step and live it out. Pray about the burden. Ask God to clarify it in your mind and then ask him, Lord, okay, what's the next step? God, I believe you're in this. You promised that you would guide my steps. Please, Lord, help me to see the very next step. There's that old phrase, a journey of a thousand miles starts with, you know, one step. Nehemiah's journey to Jerusalem was literally a thousand miles. And the rebuilding of that wall started when he took that first step towards that town. So this week, take that step. Take that step. And it's going to look different for each and every single one of you. I mean, if debt is your burden, and I know it is for a lot of you, maybe for you, you go home today and you cut up that credit card. Maybe for you, the burden is your mental health. You know, you're not in a good place. It's stress, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, and it's been a long time. I'm just telling you, if that's the burden on your heart, pick up the phone tomorrow. Call someone. Call a counselor. If you don't know who to call, come find me. We've got folks that we can recommend. What is the one thing? What is the one thing that you can do this week to put yourself on the path to changing your world? Don't wait. Do not wait. Now's the time. Invite Jesus into this process and watch God move. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I know there is a time in all of our lives when you speak directly into our hearts, when you touch us, when you prick us, Lord, and when you convict us, God, and I know that each and every single one of us, if we are not feeling a burden now, we will someday, God, and I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us not only to embrace that burden and to acknowledge that burden, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and help us to act on that burden, to take the next step to do whatever we need to do to change our lives and our families and our communities and this world that you have blessed us with. 
We look to you every step of the way for your guidance, knowing with supreme confidence that you will help us because you promised to be a light to our path. And God, we will give you all of the glory every step of the way. We ask this in Jesus' mighty, precious, and powerful name.